We are now at um, the second to last chapter of our study on the book of Ephesians. We've made it to chapter 5, and so uh, we're finishing out chapter 5 today, and then we will hit chapter 6 uh, next week. And so this has been a journey where uh, we've seen it kind of build on itself, where, where Paul has taken the first three chapters to explain to us who we are in Christ, uh, what's been done for us, the spiritual blessings that we have, how he's called us out of darkness uh, into this new life. And, and Paul really has just been showing us kind of how we live in Christ, but in Ephesus. You know, the church there that he's writing to, they're, they're living in Ephesus, but they're in Christ. So we're, we're in South Haven, but we're in Christ. And so how do we live not of this world, but in this world? And so how do we maintain an identity in Christ, but not, not identify with the world, the situation, the circumstances that we're in? That's the, the struggle of the Christian life is, is that tension there of how can we uh, be in Christ Jesus, live the life that he wants us to live, but not conform to the things of this world. And so Paul takes three chapters to build that case. And then in chapter four, he's like, get to work. It's time for you to start doing some things, walking out this thing, walking in a, in a manner worthy of your calling. And we see all these imperatives that, that Paul begins to give the church. And so today we're going to continue in this vein of, of walking worthy, walking worthy of the calling that we have, walking worthy of all that Christ has done for our life. And, and to do that today, we're going to uh, um, read some verses in chapter uh, 5. And as we look at this um, in chapter 5, we're going to see where Paul starts to tell us some things that don't always sound so good to us. They, uh, some of it for us, like, oh, that's kind of hard to do. Well, not only is Paul going to tell us something hard to do, he's going to give us the solution on how to do it. So uh, I'm excited for what God's going to speak to us today. If you would take your Bibles out and go to Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start reading in verse 15. We'll read a few verses in 15, um, and then we'll pick up the rest of chapter 5 uh, towards the end of the sermon. But if you would like, I would love for us to stand for the reading of the word. And so if you'll take your Bibles, or you can follow along on the screen behind us. In Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to start reading in verse 15. If you have your place, you're ready to read, say, let's go. Paul, speaking to the church, he says this. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Today, before we pray, I want to talk to us around this subject, a life of submission, a life of submission. Can we pray before we're seated? Father, we come now before you, submitting to you, God, submitting to your word and asking Holy Spirit that you would speak to us. Let this word sharpen us. Let it uh, correct us. Let it encourage us. Lord, we open our hearts for that seed to go deep today, to take root in our hearts so that we can bear fruit. And so, Father God, speak to us, each of us, 
Speak to us, Lord. What do we need to do? What do we need to change? What do we need to stop doing? What do we need to start doing? We open ourselves before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated today. A life of submission. Now, I know that Paul threw that in this last verse that we read, and I stopped short on purpose of some other verses that we're going to read in a moment where Paul drills down into this life of submission. If we're being honest, every time I say submission over these next 35 minutes, some of us are going to cringe. Some of, some of us are going to, oh, they're going to, we're going to sink down a little bit. Some of us are going to go to a place in our life that we, didn't, we don't want to go back to. There's going to be things in our, in our minds that would go back to a place where that word was abused. That word was misused. That word was used to manipulate and control you. That word was used to get uh, somebody else to get their way with you or to be an authority figure over your life. And, and so you, maybe you don't have a good um, experience with the word submit. And today, I, my goal simply is for us to, to tackle the hard things of the Bible uh, and to embrace it, though maybe for some in the room, you might agree that it's an outdated term, or you might think that it's irrelevant, or, or maybe for you, you've been so successful on your own without submitting to anyone that you don't see the need for it. Well, it's clear in the Bible that we are to submit, and so we're going to see what God has to say, for, say about it. We're not going to shy away from it. We're going to embrace it. Uh, though our culture does not embrace a life of submitting to anyone. It is anti-culture for us. It's anti-of-the-world for us to think that we should submit to anybody. I, I, am, I am my authority. I am what I am, and I do what I want. It's, you know, we, we think in the world that we live in today that um, if we were to submit, that would be a sign of weakness. If we were to submit, that would mean that I am nothing, that I am less valuable than somebody else, but that cannot be far from the truth. I think it's important for us today to just realize from the jump, uh, before we get into the uh, other verses of submission, that we see that Paul says in verse 21 that all of us, everybody, should be submitting to, uh, to each other, to brothers and sisters in Christ, submitting to one another out of the reverence or the fear of the Lord. So submission is not just a wife to her husband. Submission is to brothers and sisters in Christ to one another, that we, if we're in Christ, then we are to be submitting to each other. And so when we talk about this today, this isn't just applying to a certain household. This is applying to the body of Christ altogether. And so today, let's talk about what submission means, because we're going to spend a lot of the sermon talking about what it's not. So let's just kind of uh, define it and establish some things about submission. So when the uh, Bible talks about submission, submit, submit really speaks to a ranking, to an order, to a, a function. Uh, so when you uh, are submitting, you are placing yourself under an authority. You're placing yourself under somebody. You're submitting. It's, a, it's to do with ranking. And not only are you submitting under them, but uh, oftentimes you are entrusting yourself to that person. So you're, or you're entrusting yourself to that system. You know, uh, if you think of it in that regard, we submit to a lot of things, a lot of people uh, without even realizing it. When you go to, to lunch today and you order off the menu, you're submitting yourself to that chef 
that he's really going to cook the way that he's supposed to cook, right? Then it's going to come out tasting good, right? Uh, so you're entrusting yourself to somebody. So not only are you placing yourself under them, you're, you're entrusting yourself to them. But I think it's very important for us to establish today that submission is self-initiated. Submission is self-initiated. It is never forced. Biblical submission is never forced. It is self-initiated. And as we would go through the Bible today, we can see time and time again this theme of submission throughout the text. And essentially, if we were to sum it up in just a statement, the biblical theme of submission is to get low and lift up. You go low and you lift up. And as we go through the text today, you're going to see that common theme where, where we're told in the Bible to go low to get low, and then to lift up. And so this is one of the hardest things in the Christian faith. Uh, maybe for you, it's easier for you to forgive. Maybe for you, it's easier for you to, to flee from some kind of sin. Or maybe for you, it's easier to be generous than it is to submit. And today, we're going to talk about what that means because it comes with so much baggage, so much um, perversion and twistedness and so much confusion uh, because the culture we live in uh, does not agree with it. So that culture a lot of times has crept into the church, into the, the body of Christ, and then we view submission like the world views submission. But remember, we're not in Ephesus. We're in Christ. We're not of this world. We're of Jesus, and so we're just in this world temporarily on mission by him, and he is the authority figure. He is where we get our, our um, flow of lifestyle. And so Today, from the jump, it's easy to establish that, that submission is hard. I don't think anybody would disagree with that, that submission is hard. And while submission is hard, I do want to encourage us today, submission might be hard in the flesh, but it's easy in the spirit. Submission is it's hard, in the, it's hard in the flesh, but I want to encourage you today, it's easy in the spirit. And so once you say, oh, I can't submit to them, if you just knew who they were, if you just knew how they acted, if you just knew X, Y, Z, it's, I can't do it. Yeah, you can't. It's hard. In our flesh, it is hard to submit to another, but in the spirit, it is easy. And so I want us to look back at a verse that, that Paul, we, he writes in here, and sometimes we skip over it, or sometimes we use it to preach another message, but it's verse 18 of this chapter, chapter 5, verse 18. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. That means like extreme indulgence in your bodily pleasures, in your flesh. You're just indulging in your flesh. He says, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Why is he saying that right in this? Well, everything that he says after that, the next few verses of, of giving thanks and, and making a melody unto the Lord, uh, singing to the Lord, singing to one another, and submitting to each other all hinges on being filled with the Spirit. It all hinges on whether or not we're going to give in to our fleshly desires and indulge in our flesh, or are we going to say, come Holy Spirit and fill me again. Fill me up, God. Are we going to walk in the, fill, in the filling of the Holy Spirit? And as we sung the song earlier, of being filled with the Spirit, this is not a one-time occasion. Now, every one of us, when we give our life to the Lord, you receive God's Spirit in you. You receive the Holy Spirit. It's a deposit. It's a guarantee of your salvation. But we see all throughout the New Testament this fresh filling, this continual filling of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul, he could compare it to all kinds of things, but he compares it to getting drunk. 
Because I don't just drink and get drunk and stay drunk. I've got to keep drinking. It's a continuation in order to maintain my state of being under the influence, of being drunk. It's the same way with the Spirit. Is that you, in order for you to stay filled, you've got to continually, continually be poured on. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. The Bible uses the same word of filling as it does with baptism. It's baptizo. It's this immersion in the Spirit. And so we see that the Holy Spirit empowers us for submission. You see that in your notes today. The Holy Spirit empowers us for submission. So we must lean on the Holy Spirit and, and to be able to submit to those people that God has placed in our life, to the brothers and the sisters, because in the flesh it's hard. In the flesh we can't do it. Everything in, in us pulls away. Everything in us builds up walls. Everything in us is like, no, I'm not doing that. I will not bow down. I will not submit to that. It's because we think that that means that we're weak. We think that that means that we're less than, but that's not what the Bible says. And since submission is only possible through the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, I want us to establish today that submission is spiritual. Submission is spiritual. It is a spiritual issue. It's by faith that I can submit to one another. It's by faith that I can do these things. Look at the other ones that he says. It, it's, it's spiritual. You're singing songs and melodies to the Lord. That's a spiritual moment right there. Giving thanks always. That's an act of faith. That's spiritual. And so we can't do this on our own. We must walk in the Spirit. It's, it, we must walk that manner worthy, and it's spiritual. We've been talking about walking worthy. I mentioned it a couple times already, but I do want you to take note of it. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, we've kind of used this as a launching pad several, several times for several weeks. But if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 1 with me. Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then he kind of describes it. Look at this. Number, uh, verse 2. With all humility. What's that? I'm getting low. With gentleness. With patience. Bearing with one another in love. Bearing. What are you doing? You're bearing the burden. You're lifting them up. So, so humility. I'm getting low. Then I'm lifting them up. See, this principle of submission comes from humility. We see humility all throughout the Bible. Paul is saying, get low and then lift people up. Get low and serve them. Don't lord over them, but get under them and serve them and lift them up. We see this theme all throughout the Bible. You see Moses leading the people of Israel, and they're fighting down in the valley. And what, what happens? They begin to lose. But on his left and on his right... Two guys named Aaron and Herb. And what do they do? They lift him up. They bear the burden, the weight of this. We see this all throughout the Bible. Jesus being the ultimate example. What does he say? Cast your cares on me. Cast your burdens on me because I want to lift them up. I want to support you. I want to be there with you. It's a, it's a theme of humility that we see all throughout the Bible. So we're called to, to lift burdens off of people. That if you're in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, your job, one of your responsibilities is to be a burden bearer. You're bearing the burdens. Last week we talked about how we're, we're bodybuilders. Well, this week we're burden bearers, right? We are lifting up people. We're bearing those burdens. And so we humble ourselves. I think it's important for us to see that if we're going to submit, if we're going to live out this life of submission, it must be a humble walk. 
It must be humility that's in our heart. Humility plays a vital role in being able to submit. Humility, what it does is it positions us for submission. Humility positions us for submission. It is the posture of our hearts. It is getting us positioned to be able to submit. And so we must get in position in order to be able to submit to one another. Maybe for us, the the position that we're in is not that of submission, of humility. Maybe for us, we walk with arrogance. Maybe for us, we walk with pride. Maybe with us, we walk with, I don't need nobody, and I'm not going to submit to anybody. Nobody can tell me what to do. But the Bible's clear that we are not to lead that way, to be selfish, to be conceited, to think that we are something when we are not. Paul would echo that in Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, if we look at verses 3 and 4, Paul says, Do nothing, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but what? In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That's what you're doing. When you're humble, when you're submitting, you're saying you are more significant than me. I'm counting you more significant than I am. Let each of you look not only on his own interest, but also on the interest of others. And so Paul's saying, don't be selfish. Don't be arrogant. Don't think that you're something that you're not. Don't think that your status is all this, that you're all that in a bag of chips, right? No, no, no. He said, get low. Get low and serve the body of Christ. Get low and serve one another. Take on this posture of serving. He even goes on to say, look at verse, uh, let's look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 5 says, likewise, you who are younger, and I like to think that I'm in that category, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. And here's why. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So he's saying you must clothe yourself. Why? Because it's something you don't naturally have on. In your natural state, you don't have humility. You were not born with humility. Actually, you were born with the opposite, right? And you have a pull towards the opposite. So Paul is telling us, we've got to make a conscious decision every single day when we wake up to put it on. Just as you know how to put your pants on and your shirts on, you know how to do all that. He's saying you've got to make it a habit to put on humility. You've got to clothe yourself in that because God opposes the proud. Let it never be said of us. Wow, what would it look like if God said, I oppose you because you're proud. So we walk in humility. We walk in humility. You see, humility is not natural. We have to clothe ourselves because naturally if we're being honest our pull is toward pride it's toward pride we're prideful people and everything in the world today celebrates being pride being proud they encourage the walk of pride not the position of humility and so now that this this culture that we live in today is pushing us towards being proud of who you are, being proud of where you came from, being, being proud of this and proud of that, then we see in the Bible the, the more you walk in pride, the higher and higher you elevate yourself, the greater the fall. But the Bible's clear that, that before destruction happens comes pride. And so we must not get so ahead of ourselves in thinking that we are something when we are not 
that we become prideful and then that leads to destruction. You see, the greatest enemy of submission is pride. Pride is when we stop thinking of ourselves the way God thinks of ourselves and we start to think too highly of ourselves. And not only that, pride makes us very forgetful. We forget the things that God has done in our life. We forget the goodness of God. We forget the things that he has saved us from. We forget that, that we are nothing and that he is everything. We forget that everything that we have it was given to us by our Father, that it is not ours. We forget. And if I want to humble myself really, really quick, all I have to do is remember back to what I used to be where I used to go, what things I used to do. And, and, and by God's mercy, he snatched me out of that. And if it wasn't for his mercy, if it wasn't for his grace, I wouldn't be here today. And so if, I, if you get prideful, just think back on where you were in that darkness, in that life far from him, and how he pulled you out of that. And so pride is not only the enemy of submission, but, but it also the fruit of pride is rebellion. The fruit of pride is rebellion. Just like if I'm humble, then I'll submit. If I'm prideful, then I rebel. I rebel. And so just as we can call submission spiritual, we can call rebellion spiritual as well. That rebellion is spiritual. Write down this reference. It's not in your notes. 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 23. 1 Samuel 15, 23. I want us to see how spiritual this is and how sincere this is, how much of a big deal this is when we rebel. This little sentence right here reveals so much. It says this, 1 Samuel 15, 23. For rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, of witchcraft. So just as witchcraft is calling on the spirits to manifest themselves, these evil spirits, it's saying re rebellion is compared to the sin of that. Because why? It's spiritual. And there is a spirit of rebellion. It's a spirit of rebellion that operates in the world. It's a spirit of rebellion that is targeting the next generation. It's a spirit of rebellion that, if we're not careful, can creep in the church. It's a spirit of rebellion that is targeting now our culture now more than ever. It is a spirit that would, would lie to you and tell you that rebellion is freedom, that rebellion is captivating. No, 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 no. You are being captive by the devil. When you rebel against God, when you rebel against your parents, when you rebel against authority, when you rebel against the word of God, it is a spiritual attack on your life. That you have given a foothold, as we talked about in, in Ephesians, to the enemy. And it's a spirit that must be dealt with. We see it all throughout the Bible, right? When we think about rebellion, we think first, the first time we see rebellion would be Satan and a third of the angels. What, what caused their rebellion? They became prideful. They wanted to be like God. They didn't want to serve God. And so what did they do? They rebelled. And then they attacked Adam and Eve made them prideful, and they rebelled. And we see this common theme, this spiritual attack that happens all throughout the scriptures, that we get this root of pride in our life, and we think that we're something when we are not. We think that all that I have, I accomplished on my own, and we, we realize real quick 
that we didn't get anywhere without God because we fall. We fall captive to the enemy. We, the spirit is attached to us, and so we must get free from it. The good news is today that Christ came to set you free. As Jeff ministered this morning, he said that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You can break that spirit of rebellion off your life, off your marriage, off your children in Jesus' name. That you can be set free from that spirit of rebellion. And so today we have to ask ourselves, how is our walk? How is our life? How are, are we clothing ourselves with humility? Are we clothing ourselves with pride? That pride that leads to destruction or that humility that lifts others up and builds up the body of Christ. Jesus gave us clear instructions of how we should live if we look to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, prime example here of what it means to be humble, to submit, to serve. Jesus called the disciples to him. And they said this, he said this to them. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, that's anybody that wasn't Jewish, they lord it over them. So they rule over them. And their great ones exercise authority, power over them. Verse 26 says, it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servants. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Catch the principle there. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So this is the walk that Jesus calls his disciples, his followers to. It's not to lord over people, it's to get low and to lift them up. And so we're not in here exercising authority over one another and trying to be better or greater than one another. We're not trying to outdo each other in lordship. We're trying to outdo each other in getting low. Like, how low can you go? That's the competition that we're trying to play today, is how low can we go so that we can lift one another up? And we realize that that is hard. In my flesh, I cannot do it. On my own, it is impossible. That's why I need the Holy Spirit to empower me. I need God's Spirit. This is a spiritual matter. This isn't a fleshly, earthly thing. This is a spiritual matter. In order for me to submit I must be filled with the Spirit so that I position myself with a heart of humility and not a heart of pride. I don't want my, I don't want my position, my posture, my heart to lead to destruction, to lead to rebellion, to have this spiritual attack on my life. I want to humble myself. I want to take on this position of getting low and serving the body of Christ. And so now that we've laid that groundwork of what general submission is, let's read on. Let's read on to some of the most hardest scriptures for some of us to read. Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 22. Paul now zooms in to the household of believers, and he says this. He says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, 
so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, when we encounter this passage and we hear the word submit, this is some of the hardest words to reconcile, to, to understand, okay, put this into practice. And what Paul is not making is not a statement of relative value of husband and wife and which one is more valuable, but he is speaking to their unique order and their unique function. What Paul is simply saying is that families will function best when one person leads and the other person follows the leading of that person. That when one person leads and the other person follows that leadership. You see, what could be one of the hardest words in marriage is actually one of the healthiest ways for it to function. And so as we talk just briefly about Submission in marriage, because this isn't a, a marriage sermon, but it's in the text, and so we, we have to address it. I think that we, we need to not get our idea of submission from the world and what that looks like, but that we should get it from the Word. But if I could drill down just for a moment and why I think it is that we, are, we close our ears to this, we back off to this, why we, why we are so uh, cringed at this, It's because the reality is, as we look at our world, we look at the condition of our world, the state of our world, it's very evident that the the man of the house has vacated the position of the authority figure in 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 his house. Now, that's not common with every person of the world, but it's very common, more common than not, that the man who's to be the leader of his home is no longer the leader of his home, And it leaves the wife in a peculiar situation where now she is faced with the tension of do I step up and lead my family because nobody else is or do I let my family go without a leader? And most women, because they're very smart and they're very talented and very capable, then step up into a position that though they're capable for, it's not their responsibility. They're capable to do it probably more capable than than most of us husbands, but it's not their responsibility. And what this does, a couple of things. First, it gives an excuse to the husband never to step up and never to lead. Why would he step up and lead if somebody else is doing it better than he can do? But then also it places the woman in a position where it's very easy for her to become prideful. And to say, you know what, I did this for so long by myself. It's too late. He he, he had his shot. And then you never submit to that man again or never give him the opportunity to lead his home. And pride takes over. Both of those things, whether it's the man using it as a cop-out or it's the woman being prideful because she's been so successful at it, both of those are not what the Bible talks about. That we, in, in marriage, 
We should be, a wife should be submitting to her husband. And now we're going to talk for just a moment about what submission is not. Because it's been so twisted. It's been so misused. So let's establish what submission is not. Submission does not equal less than. Submission does not equal less than. Paul says in Galatians chapter 3 that there is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. He's establishing that you're not less than, you're, as a wife, you're not less than your husband. Let's think about Jesus and God. We could all agree that Jesus is 100% God, that he is fully God, that God and Jesus are equal. But yet we see often in the scriptures that Jesus submitted himself to God. So, so when I submit myself to somebody, that doesn't mean that I am less than them. Jesus gave us that example. Him and God are equal, but yet he submitted to God. It's all about the function, the role. That we need to understand that we're on the same team. Husbands, wives, you're on the same team. You just play a different position. And I promise I could save you so much heartache and conflict if you would just realize that you're on the same team. That you're looking out for each other. You have each other's best interest at heart. That you're not trying to pull one over on one another or make yourself look better than her. No, no, you're on the same team. You just have a different role, a different function in that. And so, submission does not equal less than. Submission does not equal silence. Submission does not equal silence. Wives have a voice. They hear from the Lord. God uses them. If I'm just being honest, what my wife says is a lot more profound and accurate than what I say. I need her, okay? <laughs> when she speaks, she makes me better, okay? So husbands, listen to your wives because they make you better, okay? So it don't equal silence. Let's hit a couple more. Submission does not equal obedience. Submission does not equal obedience. Paul, when he's talking about submission in marriage, he's connecting it between Christ and the church. That relationship is not master and slave. Okay? It, it is lover and beloved. He makes such a distinction, distinction between this that if you read the first couple of verses of chapter 6, he uses a totally different word when he's talking about children and slaves. He said, that's when he says you should obey. But he uses a totally different Greek word when he says that we should submit to one another, and it's the same Greek word when wives should submit to their husbands. It's not about obedience. You're, you're the number one person that your wife should be obeying, husbands, is not you, it's God. Her obedience belongs to Jesus. And so she's being obedient to him. And so we cannot get that uh, confused or twisted, okay? She is not your child where you order her around, nor her, your slave where you just boss her around and she does whatever you want. Baby, am I doing good? Am I doing good? Okay. <laughs> let, me see, let, me see what else, well, let me see what else you wrote down. Um, So, so submission, submission is not about the authority of the male. 
It's not about the authority of the male. It's about the functionality of the marriage. And so that's why Paul said in verse 25 of Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. He gave himself up. It's a sacrificial love. I'm sacrificing my desires. I'm sacrificing my wants. I'm sacrificing going hunting every, hunting every weekend. I'm sacrificing sitting on the couch watching the NASCAR or the game and not spending time with my wife. There's things that you have to sacrifice in marriage. You have to give up in marriage. So a biblical marriage requires both submission and sacrifice. It's submission and sacrifice. A husband loving his wife is defined by Christ loving the church. Well, how did Christ love the church? He gave himself up. He died for her. Husbands, would you die for your wife? Submission and sacrifice. Submission and sacrifice. I want to read Matthew 20 as I close again. We read it already. Matthew 20, 25. It's worth reading again. But I want you now to read it from the context of marriage. This is how your marriage should operate. Jesus called, let's say, husband and wife together. And he said this. You know the rulers of the Gentiles... Lord it over them. Husbands exercise great authority over their wives. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great must be your servants. You must be their servants. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the picture of not only a Christian walking out the faith, but a marriage. That we are to be trying to outdo one another in serving each other. And so the biblical marriage is not the man in the recliner and the woman waiting on him. Actually, the biblical marriage is the woman in the recliner and the man waiting on her, serving her. I thought I'd get better reaction for the ladies. My feed just went up because y'all didn't. That's real manhood. That's real manhood. It's to serve each other. It's to serve one another. And I know how it is. Well, once my wife submits, then I'll serve her. Then I'll love her. Then I'll sacrifice for her. Well, I think it's intentional that Paul compares this analogy to the church. When Christ loved the church, the people in the church were not worthy of his love. They were broken, sinful, rebellious, far from him, not living the way that they should be living. And what does the Bible say? Even when they were sinners, far from him, Christ died for them. And so you can't wait. Your walk is not dictated on the other person's character or how they act or what they do. No, no, you have to walk worthy in spite of how your partner acts, what, it doesn't matter. How the body of Christ acts, no, no, no. We don't wait till they step up, we step up. And this is an act of faith. It is an act of faith. I Just imagine what could happen in your home if this dynamic took place. What would happen in your marriage? Here's the reality for us today. We talk about submission. A husband can't be the head of his house until God is the 
head of his life. A wife can't submit to her husband until she's submitted to God. Us, as the body of Christ, cannot submit to one another until we first submitted to him. And so, how's your walk? What are you clothing yourself with? Are we walking in pride that leads to rebellion? Or are we walking in humility, getting low and lifting up? What would happen in the church if we gathered every Sunday, every time for small group, every Wednesday night for Bible study, and we gathered with clothing ourselves with humility, looking to submit to one another, to get low and to lift up? What would happen? The burdens of the life of life, the burdens that are, car- that are weighing people down would be lifted. Those who are carrying a load in this season of life that is crushing them, that is causing them pain, spiritual pain, physical pain. What would happen if brothers and sisters in Christ came alongside them and lifted them up and said, I want to serve you. How can I serve you today? How can I carry this burden with you? What we're doing is modeling what Jesus modeled. What did he say? He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, for I will give you rest. What if this was a place of rest today? where you could come in and find rest, where you could gather in small groups and find rest. Today is the day where we no longer lord over people, but we love people and we serve one another. That is what makes God well-pleased. And so today is the day we lean on the Spirit of God. Come Holy Spirit, fill me again. Fill me with this heart of submitting to others as I submit to you.